Hey everybody, Chuck here for my weekly Stuff You Should Know Selects pick. And this week I'm going with January 6, 2009, 2009, Exorcism, uh, how exorcism works. And um, I'm sort of just tagging this on because in real time it's a, right around Halloween. And I remember the exorcism episode was pretty cool. And we talk about the real kind of exorcism. Uh, we obviously talk about the movie The Exorcist a little bit. But we try to break it down into what's really going on there with uh, real-life exorcism. So, enjoy how exorcism works. Welcome to Stuff You Should Know from HowStuffWorks.com. Hey, and welcome to the podcast. I'm Josh, that's Chuck, and this is Stuff You Should Know. We're about to tell you some stuff you should know, aren't we, Chuck? We are. You never intro our title like that. I like that. Uh, it's new. I tried it before. Uh-huh. I, I know that you like it, which is why I instituted it. I do. I'd love to titillate and arouse you. <laughs> yeah. Moving on. <laughs> Chuck, um, have you ever heard of a guy named Philip K. Dick? Yes. Absolutely. He's an author, correct? Yes. He wrote Blade Runner, correct? Well, I do Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. Right. Which was made into Blade Runner. Exactly. And he wrote uh, Minority Report and Uh um, A Scanner Darkly, some other ones you may have heard of. Good stuff. Um, And uh, if you can't tell yet, he was a science fiction writer. Um, But one of the more notable things of Dick's life, one of the more more notable aspects of Dick's life was that um, at one point he became possessed by a being. Really? Another intelligence. I can't. He called it like a super alien or something like that. Uh-huh. And, uh huh. And it basically took him over and got his life in order. He was a total pillhead. Loved to drink wine. Really, just kind of um, chased friends off. He just wasn't a really pleasant soul to be around. Right. And this alien kind of comes in and takes him over. And all of a sudden, he's like getting, you know, back pay from publishers. Wow. He's like writing more. He, uh, his office is cleaner. I think he started wearing ties and just all around basically this thing got his life in order. Right. And he it wasn't Scientology or anything. Uh, no, no. Interesting. As a matter of fact, I think he may have been a critic of Scientology. I'm not sure. Wow. Um, but he, uh, he, he, he was possessed. He, he believed it till the day he died that something had, taken him over and at the very least was helping him i've never heard that yeah so um that kind of i think is a really good segue into exorcism right this is an exorcism that actually benefited somebody well he wasn't exercised and i don't think he needed to a possession sure sure now um you know, I think for the most part, when people feel like we're inhabited by something, uh, we feel like it needs to be exercised, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Got the demons running through you. Exactly. Yeah. So, um, we kind of, uh, in, in the Western world in the 21st century, we don't really believe in spirit intrusion much anymore, right? Some of us do. Some do, true. But for the most part, the average American walking around yeah. probably doesn't believe that they're going to ever be, you know, taken over by a demon or something like that. Yeah. Or I'd even an that. angel, probably. Right, true. Um, but this isn't the case for much of the rest of the world. Right. Uh, it, it's very commonly held uh, spirit intrusion can occur. Uh-huh. Uh, remember when we were talking about uh, carrying a bride over the threshold? Right. Spirit intrusion? Right. It, it can be a bad thing. Uh, it can cause a disease, illness, and um, it kind of makes you wonder. There's this dividing line that crops up 
is this really just a misunderstanding of a psychological problem? Or Indeed. is psychology missing the point when there actually is something going on? Right. Uh, and then, you know, a lot of uh, demonic possessions are really people that are uh, psychologically distressed or sometimes even physically, uh, and you know, epilepsy and things like yeah. that, a lot of times are mistaken sure. in some parts of the world. Well, with epilepsy in particular, you can you can tell. You can throw somebody in an MRI machine and you know, right. look at the parts of their brain and, and see, you know, oh, yeah, this person's definitely epileptic. Right. Of course, the um, convulsions often give them away as well. Yeah. But with, you know, um, schizophrenia, say. Exactly. Uh, for many, many eons, that was viewed as a spirit intrusion or spirit possession mm -hmm. right uh, which makes sense i mean you know these people with dissociative personality disorder are um different people at different times so you can understand how that would be mistaken as a um possession sure in the past i, I could sure but still today i i kind of wonder is it just a clash of worldviews you know maybe so is is a psychological disorder just a, another term for spirit possession when they're really both talking about the same thing? Right. And does it matter? So That's an uh, interesting oh, angle. Thanks, buddy. And so the uh, the point is this: um, psychology has its own methods of exorcism, antidepressants, um, psychotherapy. Yes, uh, ECT, electroconvulsive therapy, right. which is still used to this day. Did you know that? Uh, I didn't. I think we have the uh, method refined a little more than we used to. Right. But, uh, yeah, it's still, they still hook people up with the electrodes and juice them. Actually, I did know that because, uh, it happened on six feet under and. Don't yeah, tell me. Don't tell me. I'm in season three. Oh. Don't well, tell me. Then it, I don't it definitely does not happen on six feet Thank under. Thank you. Thank you for that. Sorry about that. Yeah, no problem. But um, so we've got this uh, method of dealing with disturbance um, through psychology. We also have it through uh, spirituality, and specifically, the Catholic Church is really, really big on right. exorcisms. Yes, they're the the only church that I know of that really still practices it. And yeah, now I was raised Catholic, and and as you get older, every you know when you're raised in the Catholic Church, everything seems totally normal. Or, this guy's wearing a robe and chanting and burning frankincense and right. everybody else, you know, is responding with, you know, some weird, you know, mystical words. Right. <laughs> the thing is, is like as you get older, it becomes stranger and stranger because as any Catholic knows, the older you get, the further you get away from the church, right? Um, so you get a little <laughs> more objective. You get an objective view of it. I think that's not necessarily true for all people, but certainly. Uh, so, you know, when you look at the Catholic Church objectively or Catholicism, it's deeply rooted in mysticism. And uh, it doesn't strike me as odd at all that the Catholic Church is still very much believes in exorcism, in demonic possession. Yeah, I believe it. Which we should probably give a, an actual definition of 
uh, demonic possession right. as the Catholic Church sees it? Uh, well, possession or exorcism? Possession. Uh, well, I know some of the, the telltale signs. Yeah, let's hear them, buddy. Yeah, um, speaking in tongues, a lot of times, is considered... No, no. Pardon? No, no. It's not considered part of a demonic speaking position? Speaking in tongues is considered a an expression of religious ecstasy. Speaking in foreign languages that one's never encountered, okay, or dead languages, right? That's that's an example. That's I actually said time. I actually said speaking in foreign tongues. I just said it very quietly. Oh, the foreign was it? <laughs> yeah. Was the foreign silent? Foreign was it silent? Yeah, um, that is true. Uh, knowing uh, things that uh, a person has no way of knowing. Yeah, like um, you know what the Pope's wearing at any given time, right? Sure. I bet he's wearing a robe and a tall hat. That's what I. <laughs> yeah. Well, no, un- underneath the robe. Oh, wow. If you can call that, I imagine they're no. going to be like, yeah, I won't you, go you there. know too much. Uh, physical strength uh, beyond what you normally would have, uh, mm-hmm. which a, we've addressed as well, right? Yeah. And a violent uh, aversion to God, the Virgin Mary, or a cross, or other you know religious images. Yeah. So that's you know pretty much it. If right. you can fit all these, then, you know, there's a chance that you are right. possessed by the devil as far as right. the church is concerned. I, I didn't see in here head spinning around or <laughs> vomiting pea soup no, or uh, the spider crawl. No, and of course, uh, Chuck's referring to the uh, classic horror film, right. The Exorcist, which mm-hmm. I watched actually this past Halloween. Really? Not as scary as I remember, but psychologically thrilling. Yeah. Great. And um, after researching this, I found that if you take Linda Blair out of the scenes... Yes. Uh, and you just have the exorcism, the, the rites of exorcism that are performed by um, Max von Sydow and the other guy. It's um, accurate. It is. It's very accurate. Absolutely. Uh, it's it's pretty much the opposite of the uh, website Garfield minus Garfield, where if you take <laughs> Garfield out, it turns out that John is either uh, schizophrenic or addicted to methamphetamines right. or possessed by the devil, possibly full circle. Yeah, so it's um it, it's the it's the opposite of that. It really it, a Catholic exorcism or rite of exorcism is a series of special prayers, uh-huh. and actually it's a combination of fairly familiar prayers. There's a lot of call and response. Right. Right. Um, there's dousing the uh, possessed individual with holy water, uh-huh. using crucifixes and relics, right? Which can be anything, anything associated with the saint, including uh, a body part. There's actually the saints. If you were a saint several hundred years ago, mm-hmm. you were destined to be chopped up into as many little pieces as possible and really? sent to churches around the world. Yeah, relics are huge. Interesting. Yeah, well, there you go. Didn't know that either. Uh, well, before the, this all happens, there's an investigation. I mean, this is when there's a real threat of a possession, you can actually lodge an, uh, an, a query to the Catholic Church, mm-hmm. and they'll send someone out. A lot of times that priest will come with um, a psychological evaluator just to s- rule out other things. Sometimes they'll go to a medical doctor, but they actually do a full-fledged investigation, and they said, I think, one in 5,000 turns out to be what they consider to be a real uh, demonic possession. Or at the very least, uh, worth worth using an exorcism for yeah worth giving it a shot yeah i didn't want you to to get the impression that i i think that the church's approach to uh exorcism is hokey in any way i think they take a very methodical approach they do and they rule out everything else that it could possibly be um i think if you uh decide to perpetrate a uh, fraud 
uh, you know, like you're, you're possessed by the devil. Right. You're in for a really long, painful evaluation process. Right. Where you really have to be committed to the bit to follow it through and yeah. finally get to the exorcism. And if you're basing it on movies, you'd probably be really disappointed. Right. Um, there's this, uh, book that this guy wrote. I cannot remember his name or the name of the book, but, um, he, he was a sociologist who, who, you know, basically went to exorcisms performed around the country for several years during right. his research period. And he describes one where a guy named Warren, who is basically depressed, uh, drinks a lot, really his life's pretty out of sorts. Um, and he's come to believe that he's, he's possessed by a, a diabolical presence, I think is the, yeah. the church vernacular for it. Um, and basically the priest just prays for him. Um, and you know, there's the holy water and the crucifix and all that. And, Warren just kind of sits there looking a little gloomy the whole time, and then that's about that. Right. And uh, apparently in the book, Warren reported feeling like something had left him, which is good. Sure. It's a good thing. He's, he said he felt fine, but it was uh, fairly anticlimactic. Right. Like I have you said, that, no uh, head spinning or anything. I have that book title if people want to read it. It's called American Exorcism, Expelling Demons in the Land of Plenty by Michael Cuneo. 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 Let's go with Cuneo. Yeah. Kashkari. Kashkari. So uh, yeah, they're they're kind of anticlimactic, right? right? But if if at the end people like Warren feel like that their their life has changed, that you know if it's if it's just using their faith to maybe manipulate them, even even if there's no intentional manipulation, but if that's really what's going on right. in the most objective view, uh, how could how could it hurt? You know, why Why don't exactly. we just run around performing exorcisms all the time? I have an answer for you. Play it on me. Sort of. Uh, because there aren't enough priests, really, to go around that are that are capable of doing this. The Catholic Church actually um, appointed 10 priests in 1996, and I think there was already previously one, the only guy doing exorcisms. So there's now 11, um, at that time at least, and uh, they have a, a, a group called the International Association of Exorcists. I and noticed they, this. Yeah, they meet every year they have in a uh, quarterly Rome. newsletter. Yeah. <laughs> do you know what I would do to get my hands on that newsletter? Yeah. Apparently, they, they share uh, tricks of the trade uh-huh. and tips for one another for right. exorcisms. Yeah. And I would love to get my hands on that. Right. I'd love to sit on one of those meetings, but that's a lot of, a lot of fun. It is. You know, the, um, the, the, that's one reason why, you know, we just don't have, or the Catholic Church just doesn't have the manpower to go around performing exorcisms. Right. right. Um, but also there's, there's a couple other problems with, or exorcism as far as you know controversy generated by them one is what we've talked about the the uh, psychology versus religion clash right which has been going on pretty much since medicine came about uh-huh. um and basically labeled everybody else as witches or you know at the very least um simple or what have you archaic primitive right yeah and, and that's one problem if if we just ran around performing exorcisms uh and there were people who had very treatable psychological disorders. Exactly. You know, would the exorcisms work? 
Right. Or would would pharmaceuticals be better? Some sort of you know immersive therapy be better right. for him? Um, so it could actually do damage. That's true. Which is why the church, I imagine, has psychological evaluations done. Right. And these are done by professionals, from my understanding as well. It's not like the priest is like, "Hey, are you crazy?" Right. Right. They get a, a, a psychiatrist or psychologist outside right. of the Catholic Church. The the other problem is the. Um, there, there are groups that that do exorcisms for profit. Yeah, and this is where it gets a little, uh, I don't know, greedy, possibly fake, um, fake maybe. There's one, there's one group um, that is well known for their exorcisms. There's a guy named Bob Larson. Yeah, Bob Larson Ministries. He actually has a show called The Real Exorcist on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh-huh. Um, that should be your first uh, click right there. Exactly. He. Um, he runs the Spiritual Freedom Church, uh-huh. as far as I know, um, and he does exorcisms. I don't know that he actually charges for exorcisms, but I think he's he's really good at um, drumming up donations. Well, yeah, and he and he does this in front of a crowd, and he charges for tickets. Does he really? Yeah, because uh, apparently you can get a family rate on your tickets to go see these exorcisms. Okay, all so right. it gives you a break if you bring the kids along. Well, I was I was reading on the um, Spiritual Freedom Church website a. Um, a testimonial from a girl from named Autumn from my dear esteemed hometown of Toledo, Ohio. Let's hear it. Apparently, the spirit, spirit, spiritual freedom church ro- rolled through town and held a mass, you know, exorcism or whatever spectacle. Right. And um, Autumn, it turned out, had been possessed by a several centuries old uh, African woman uh, named Mushita. Okay. Now, Mushita apparently means whore in whatever ancient african vernacular this that her name comes from okay and um she basically was pretty much into committing acts of whoredom in you know uh reverence for an african deity okay so she became promiscuous yes well it was really mushita but it was it was autumn who was running around committing acts of whoredom this is not my word by the way i I actually didn't realize whoredom was a word until (laughs) just this very afternoon is that her right there that's her She's kind of cute. Yeah. So um, Autumn goes to see uh, Bob Larson, uh-huh. who exercises the, the demons, and apparently you could see a um, an immediate change in Autumn, and she was very grateful. So again, we we come to this this fine line as far as I'm concerned. Right. It, if Autumn's no longer running around being promiscuous, as you said, right, she no longer feels like she's out of control with her life. Does it matter whether it was an exorcism or antidepressants, right. or whether she paid for this or not? Right, a come to Jesus moment and a seeing of the light. Does it matter? No, there's all kinds of ways of reaching that moment of clarity. I agree. If you ask me, I agree. So, uh, as far as I'm concerned, to each his own. Sure. That's if our you, motto here. If you want to pay, yeah, it pretty much keeps us out of hot water. Right. Uh, so if you want to pay for your exorcism, there's plenty of places you can do it. Uh, just go on to a Google search, and I believe you type in exorcist, and you will find what you're looking for. And good luck. Yeah. So uh, stick around, because we have a new bit here. We like to fill up time as much as possible. We're going to call it Correction Time. Right. It's a good title. It's coming up right now. Um, so, Chuck, we have a correction from one of our listeners. Right. This was in from a couple of our podcasts. We mentioned this uh, famous study in Massachusetts. Let's go to a clip of Chuck being wrong. 
so what they've learned is that there was this big study. I know that you love this study, the Farmington Heart Study. I love this study. It's enormous. It's sweeping. This is what a study should be like. Right. So that's that's me, and that's my voice, and it is not Farmington. No. It is actually Framingham. Not even. There's no ton involved. There's no farm. It is a frame. Yeah. And uh, this was pointed out by uh, one of our listeners, uh, Glenna Carpenter, wrote us in. Thank you, Glenna, for pointing that out. Yes, Glenna nice won herself it. a new Ford Focus, actually, for she pointing did. that out. <laughs> yeah. So if you want to point out something that we've done wrong or tell us how much you like us. Or hate us. Yeah, more like us, though. Okay. You can send an email to stuffpodcast at howstuffworks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 